Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing and another episode of Ask Marco, where I answer your investing-related questions. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. Today's question comes from John, and he says, Marco, I just discovered your podcast in the last couple of weeks, and I'm considering working with your firm. Thank you. I have my first meeting with your team this week. My question has to do with how much leverage is too much. I know leverage is largely a good thing in terms of amplifying capital to work harder for me, but I assume there is a point where an investor can be over leveraged. How do you look at leverage in terms of how much is just enough and how much is too much? Well, this is a great question. Now, John goes on to ask another question here, which is not exactly related, but I'm going to read it out. He says, I've been listening to Bigger Pockets for several months, and they tend to favor the BRRR, B-R-R-R-R, strategy, which really minimizes the capital left in the average property, thus theoretically accelerating the velocity, but this strategy is high leverage. Now, that was a mouthful, and for those that don't understand it, don't worry, I'll try to explain it. I'm not sure I fully understand that question. But he goes on to say, this is something I'm trying to get clarity on, how much leverage is too much? So that's the underlying question here is, how much leverage is too much? So he says, thanks for the podcast. I've learned a lot already, John. John, you're welcome. So I'm going to cover a couple of points here, and I'm going to just start off with some general concepts, but then I'll ultimately tell you how you can determine for yourself how much leverage is too much. We all need to understand from the beginning, fundamentally, there are two kinds of debt, good debt and bad debt. So debt by itself is neither good or bad. It's like saying a knife is good or bad or a gun or pistol is good or bad. It really depends on what you use it for and how you use it and in whose hands is that debt in. So generally speaking, bad debt would be consumer debt. It would be something that you borrow and then apply towards something that has no residual value or does not go up in value. In other words, it depreciates things that tend to rust or just become obsolete. That would be bad debt. Borrowing on a credit card and going on a vacation is bad debt. But if you can take debt, whether you're borrowing $100 or $100,000, and you can turn that into an asset, so that debt is still there, and better yet, you can turn that debt into an asset that generates cash flow, so now you're receiving a return on that investment, a return on the debt, now it becomes a smart investment, and real estate is the primary example of how to do that and the best way to do that. This is where good debt becomes a very powerful tool because now you can use that debt, bank lending, conventional loans, the mortgage, to acquire real estate, a portfolio of real estate that now is a appreciating asset with tax benefits that generate cash flow, and it becomes a very powerful thing. So that's the first thing. You have to understand the difference between good debt and bad debt because if you can borrow money that makes you more money on that money, that becomes a great investment. And then the question becomes, well, if that works and you can do that and you can do it more than once, how often do you want to do it? 
So that leads to my next point, and that is the very vague question of how do you become a millionaire? Well, the simple answer to how do you become a millionaire, as I've said in a previous episode probably five years ago, is go into debt for $1 million. Now, more specifically, as we just talked about, that would mean go into debt for $1 million in terms of good debt. So if you build a real estate portfolio, and let's just say it's worth $1.3 million, and $1 million of that $1.3 million of assets is debt, guess what? Over time, that $1 million of debt will be paid off. It'll be paid down and paid off. And that debt, what was once debt, is now equity. You see how that works? So the key to making this work is to invest in assets that pay for themselves and pay the debt service. In other words, they amortize that loan, the debt. So your net operating income, the NOI, from your real estate, which is the income minus the expenses, leaves the net operating income. That's what's left over for you to A, pay off your debt or service your debt, and then what's left over after that is cash flow, positive cash flow, real spendable cash. So if you have investment property that has enough net operating income to service the debt, then you have positive cash flow and you are now making money every month and every year and your loans, that debt is being paid off. That is a beautiful formula because that million dollars of debt in your portfolio will now become a million dollars of equity Plus, you'll have the appreciation that comes over time with that same portfolio. And so now your equity is actually the debt that was paid off and is now actual equity plus the appreciation of additional equity on top of that. And that's how you go from having $1 million worth of debt to potentially 2 or $3 million of total equity over time. So when you build this out, you want to pace yourself. And the key there is to stabilize your portfolio with each and every property. So if you're buying one at a time, that's fine. Two at a time, five at a time. This is where you pace yourself. The important thing is that you actually stabilize each property. And you'll probably buy these, like especially if you're buying turnkey rental properties, whether from our company here at Norada Real Estate Investments or another company, or you're doing this on your own, you want to make sure that each and every property is performing and stabilized and you have a predictable, consistent income coming in every month. Once those are running smoothly, you move on as quickly as you can to the next property and the next one and the next one. And that's how you build your portfolio, whether it's single family homes, duplexes, fourplexes, or if you choose to go larger than that outside of the world of residential real estate to commercial property, even if it's an apartment that's considered a commercial property, so be it. But pace yourself. Stabilize each and every property. So the key to servicing that good debt is to have enough net operating income. That way your tenants are actually paying off your mortgage for you. And that $1 million of debt now becomes $1 million of equity. So that is a lot of the fundamental stuff that you need to know. But I'm going to take this one step further and go along the lines of answering the question of how much leverage or how much debt is too much. And the next thing I wanna just tell you about is something that you could call stress testing. Regardless of whether you have one property, five, 10, 100, 
if you can stress test, which is similar in concept to what the federal government kind of pushed on to the banks back after the 2006, 2008 financial meltdown because of overleveraged housing and overleveraged people and just that whole thing that happened back with the Great Recession. If you can stress test your existing portfolio, then you will know if you are overleveraged. So what does this mean? Essentially, what you're going to do is take a look at your existing portfolio, even if it's just one property, and you're going to create a range of scenarios. And what we're talking about here are the different variables that are involved. So vacancy rate is a variable. Appreciation rate, or what you predict to be appreciation, is a variable. The interest rate on your mortgage loans, assuming you have a variable rate loan, not a fixed rate loan, would be a variable. What you are budgeting or expecting in terms of repairs and maintenance. Also, well, we talked about vacancy allowance, but that would be another variable. So these variables are the scenarios that you're going to play with and create. So you're going to create some best case scenarios and some worst case scenarios. You're going to make some predictions about what that might be, realistic predictions. You're gonna take some best case scenarios and some worst case scenarios, and you're just gonna play with the numbers on your properties or play with the numbers on your portfolio as a whole. And what you wanna see is that if you are experiencing higher interest rates or higher vacancy rates or above normal maintenance and repairs, these types of things, you want to see where your portfolio sits. Are you still cash flow positive on your properties? Maybe not every property, maybe some properties go negative under that scenario. But overall, the aggregate portfolio is still cash flow positive and you can weather through a storm, whether it is a local down market, a economic recession, maybe we go into a depression. Whatever it is, if you could weather through a storm, whether it is a real estate down cycle, an economic recession, or some other difficulty, then you are essentially going to stress test your portfolio and see if you could weather through those storms. The bottom line is that you want to make sure even under stressful conditions, locally and economically, if your portfolio can weather through that and you're cash flow positive and you can service the debt, through the worst case scenario, or maybe the second worst case scenario, depending on where you sit, in terms of risk tolerance, then you've essentially stress tested your portfolio and you will know, or you will feel, but you will know if you are over leveraged or not, if you have too much debt or not. This is something that, although sounds a little bit emotionally based, it is actually something that is data based because you are going to run the numbers. And based on the numbers, at the end of the day, you're going to have what you might look at as a risk-reward matrix. You're going to see your best case, worst case scenarios, and everything in between. And you are going to decide whether you have the risk appetite to weather through any kind of upset or long-term, like one or two year plus negative scenario. And really, nobody can make this decision for you at the end of the day but you just need to figure out if your portfolio is positioned to weather through economic storms, difficulties, recessions, higher interest rates, above normal, abnormal, increased maintenance and repairs and vacancies and whatnot. I think you get the point. The point is, is you just want to stress test your portfolio and see if it can last. And if it can last, if it can weather through these difficulties, 
then you know you're in good shape. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to be having to dip into your own pocket or your savings to kind of service the loan or cover expenses. Now, granted, if you have to do that for one month or a short period of time or a one-off situation, just because there was something very unusual, very abnormal, that's okay. I've done that myself in the past, but I just knew that it was an anomaly. It was a one-time thing. So that's the key is understanding good debt versus bad debt, knowing that the net operating income pays off your debt. And the more debt you have, the more equity you're going to have as that debt is paid down or paid off. And pace yourself, work within your comfort zone, but don't stop moving forward. Don't lose momentum. And last but not least, make sure you stress test your portfolio as you go. You should do that every year just so you have a comfort level with it. That's really about it. I don't think I really want to get into the whole Burr strategy on this particular episode, but just for those people who are scratching their heads saying, what's that? Burr really just stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. This is not a passive approach. This is not a turnkey approach. You are essentially capped by your funds. You often will need hard money loans if you don't have the entire amount to buy, renovate, and rent, and then refinance a property to go through that whole cycle. But the reason some people talk about it a lot, and there's nothing wrong with this strategy, it's just a different strategy where you are more actively involved. And the goal at the end of it all is to renovate a property with limited funds and be able to increase the value enough where you can go back to a lender and refinance that property and pull out the initial capital that you used to buy it and renovate it done right if it goes according to plan or what you might call textbook you should be able to pull out all your funds that you put in but i've done it myself and i know it doesn't always work that way i think in the end i probably end up putting in five to ten percent on the properties that i've done the burr method on but anyway like i said it really isn't for everybody most investors don't go this route and they don't use the Burr strategy as part of their overall investment plan. Maybe it's mixed in with their, you know, passive investments, their turnkey investments. All right. Well, I hope that helps, John. Um, maybe that was a little bit long-winded on the whole thing, but hopefully that is going to help you out. All right. Well, I appreciate the question and uh, I'm glad you're a listener. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you are new here, remember to subscribe, click that subscribe button. You'll never miss an episode. Download our free report, The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing, and you will find that on our websites at noradarealestate.com or passiverealestateinvesting.com. Thank you for listening. We will see you on our next episode. Are you on track to achieve your financial goals? Income-producing real estate is the most historically proven way to accumulate wealth and has created more financial freedom than any other means. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best turnkey cash flow rental properties. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly income. Get your free strategy session with our knowledgeable investment counselors at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.